Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hey, everybody. Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast. And today in this episode, uh, we're here with uh, Michael Dwyer and also Adam Baliatico. I had to practice that a few times uh, be, before we started here, but uh, Mike is um, Mike and Adam are with Prompt EMR. You likely have heard of them. They've been at um, all the association events. There's a lot of um, talk about Prompt EMR within uh, many customers within uh, the Breakthrough community as well. So really excited to dive in uh, with them, what they're doing um, in terms of their partnerships with uh, practices, private practices right now and helping them, they're, they're helping them grow and expand. So welcome to the podcast here, Mike and Adam. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great. So uh, I did not ask you your official titles. If you could share that and fill in any gaps in the intro, that would be great. So Adam, we'll start with you. Yep. I am uh, one of the co-founders with Mike and I'm also the director of operations and oversee the product development here. Great. Thank you. And I uh, run the sales team. Director of sales. Thanks, Mike. So um, can you give the, uh, I, I seems like you've had a quite a rocket ride here um, within uh, your first few years um, in business and you have a lot of traction in the marketplace already, which is very tough to do. So can you talk about uh, how you got started, how Prompt EMR uh, came to be? Yeah, we're um, at Prompt, we're all world-class at getting hurt. Um, similar to many PTs that get into the space, I find there's a common denominator. Someone's been hurt, they go to PT and they love PT. Uh, we had a similar start. Um, the first product that we created actually wasn't EMR practice management. It was a way to track patient progress through care. Uh, one of the things I found frustrating as a patient, especially my slap tear, was I felt like I was in PT limbo. I didn't know when I was gonna essentially leave and, and be better. Uh, so the first product that Adam and I created was a way to track patient progress from visit one post-discharge. And we took that product to market and essentially couldn't get anyone to, to buy. Um, we found that clinics were already using too much technology and getting someone to a therapist to document twice, just never going to happen, uh, which we found. That led us um, then to the EMR market uh, because we, we just couldn't integrate with any EMR. Um, so Adam and I spent two years with every user type in a clinic, essentially trying to figure out their problems. How can we take something that you know is 50 steps and bring it down to zero or one? Um, so I, I think our perspective is somewhat unique because we're not from the PT industry. So we looked at problems as how do we make this as efficient as possible for every single user in the practice? And what we're doing with our system is automating as much of it as we can, updating consistently. Um, so every eight weeks, we push a product improvement. And then I think support is actually the most critical piece of a relationship with any technology vendor, um, not just EMR practice management, not only for answering questions, but we make sure that each user is getting the most out of our solution. Hey, podcast listeners, when we make assumptions about others, it's just not fair. In spite of that, I'm gonna make an assumption about you. You have a growth mindset. You wanna help more people, leave a bigger impact, build a better practice. 
Am I close? If I'm right, then I have a unique offer that I think you'll be interested in. But first, if you're a regular listener, you probably know that this is brought to you by Breakthrough, the leading platform for private practice growth. Breakthrough's mission is to help people in pain get back to normal, live healthier, and do it naturally. The best way to do this is by empowering private practice owners like you to grow your business through direct-to-consumer marketing. If you're a practice owner with a growth mindset, you'd benefit from a risk-free consultation with a breakthrough growth expert. Go to getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer to take advantage of this unique opportunity. On that call, you'll learn the key principles of how practice owners are helping more people, creating a bigger impact, and building better businesses with Breakthrough Systems. As an added bonus, the team at Breakthrough is giving a $50 Amazon gift card to any of the podcast listeners who attend this growth consultation. Sign up for your growth consultation and $50 gift card at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. Again, that's getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. Great. Thank you, Mike. Anything to add there, Adam? Yeah, I think just kind of emphasizing on that last point about support. Um, it's one thing to like build good and useful software, but if, if people don't know how to use it, it's not very valuable. So we really invest a lot of resources into um, the success and making sure every user knows how to use it right. And that's like how Mike said, we view each um, clinic we bring on board as a true partnership. Um, it's not just like a client and, and company relationship. Great. So it, it, it sounds like with, and was there a name of the first, uh, the uh, basically plan of care progress software for lack of a better called, term? It was called a uh, personal range of motion PT. So prompt, because uh, the oh, way okay. I tracked my progress was my range of motion on my shoulder. Nice, nice. So it, it sounds like uh, within the, you know, in terms of uh, product market fit, um, it might've been a, uh, sounds like a vitamin, right? Where uh, versus the pain pill, as owners, we typically buy the pain pill. We'll be talking about some of that pain here in a second. So probably amazing software, right? And that is part of uh, your EMR and software today. It's not, but we had to be the source of the data in order to get back to that original product. Um, yeah. So that's something we're working on and most likely Q1, Q2 of 22. Okay, cool. So, uh, and what are your backgrounds in? You, you said it wasn't in PT, but. Finance. Finance as well. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, the same thing here. Um, I have the PT background, but at Breakthrough, Carl, the co-founder, uh, also a shoulder injury, Mike, college football, playing at LaSalle, um, was basically uh, lost for the season, was to have surgery and then physical therapy was his, uh, was the savior there. So that, that, that created the compassion for, uh, or the passion for physical therapy. Uh, appreciate that. So in, as you're going through and you're creating uh, a software solution here, who's your ideal customer? Um, who, what's, you know, the ideal customer for uh, prompt EMR look like? Yep. Any outpatient practice in particular PTOT speech, um, we find that the mom and pop clinics actually have very similar problems to enterprise clients. It's just for the enterprise client, it's amplified their, you know, problems by 10 million. Um, but we designed it, you know, traditionally our ideal client has been somewhere in the one to 10 clinic range. 
Um, the reason being is just they have the most problems with technology in particular and process. And we love coming in and essentially sorting that out. And I think that's, um, you know, basically anything, you know, like Mike said, outpatient PT, OT speech, and then primarily they don't have to be purely insurance based, but um, like a purely cash based practice, we probably have too much functionality for them. Um, and then, you know, we got started in the one to 10 clinic space, but we have started, you know, obviously with the team rehab announcement, like started to expand into the enterprise. And, you know, from day one, we built the product to scale um, so that it can easily scale from like a one clinic, one provider location to a 150 clinic, thousand provider across five state um, company. So it's all structured on like very flexible architecture on the back end so that it can scale. Awesome. The, uh, Mike, you mentioned same problems for the mom and pop and the enterprise, just out of curiosity, what, what are the, the biggest problems that you see facing outpatient PT right now? It depends, I think, on the user type. For a clinician, no one likes documenting. They want to document the least amounts possible. For front office, it's keeping the schedule full, making sure people are attending their plan of care. For the billing teams, it's getting AR down, getting claims out in an efficient manner. And then for the owner, it's managing the business effectively, essentially through data. Um, yeah, it's very similar across the board we see when doing demos with a startup versus, you know, hundred plus clinic group. So you, you mentioned the uh, team rehabilitation. I think they, there are over hundred clinic locations, right? The Correct. 125, 150, something like that. Five States. Oh, that's exactly what you were talking about, Adam. Got it. Um, there's a, a, from the uh, article on the partnership that, prompt has with team rehabilitation, I found um, a paragraph and I would just like to read it for everybody because I think it does a nice job of summarizing exactly what you do. So you entered the market less than two years ago, prompts modern cloud-based all-in-one solution, handles all aspects of an outpatient rehabilitation practice, including inbound patient management. I'll ask you about that in a second. Uh, documentation, billing, home exercise programs, practice management, the system creates operational efficiencies for outpatient rehab practices in all areas of their business through a focus on automation and repeatable processes. So one of the, um, the, the terms that I've heard the most over the last three years that has really come to rise, and it's probably from you know, blitz scaling and Vern Harnish's work with scaling up, et cetera, is those scalable and repeatable processes. For most practice owners that are you know, 10 clinic locations or less, and I'll throw my self into that because we're there. Um, the, the, it's, uh, it's aspirational, but we, if you talked with a hundred owners that were there, they would have a hundred different uh, definitions around what repeatable and scalable is. So you're, you've done it, you've seen it. Can you define for everybody how an owner, if this is the first time they're thinking about repeatable and scalable, wh what does that mean to you and what, what should it mean to the best owners? Yeah, I can start there and maybe Mike can fill in. So one, it can't be scalable and repeatable if it's not written down. Um, it needs to be written down. Here's what we do to accomplish this task. And it's, it's generally has to be focused on, we're trying to accomplish this business goal. Here are the steps to make that happen. And it should be documented in a way that anyone could pick it up and accomplish it. So 
like in the prompt software, we have a process we've created to fill your schedule next week with patients who are under scheduled according to their plan of care. And we have a knowledge base article and a video that writes down here's step one, two, three, four, six. Here's how you do it. And we could hand that article to any prompt user or really any non prompt user. It's so descriptive and explanatory that anyone could pick it up and execute the process and start filling your schedule for next week. So that to me is scalable and it's repeatable. Um, I don't know if Mike, you have anything else to add on that. So if it's in my head, it doesn't count, Adam. That's what you're Correct. saying. Correct. That's, and that's my biggest problem is I've had to start writing down like at prompt, we've really emphasized over the last like six or nine months as we've grown, we need to have scalable and repeatable processes internally. So we've actually spent a ton of resources making our processes that were in my head and Mike's head and our other founding team members heads. Now they're on paper so that anyone can pick them up and do them. So yeah, it can't be in your head. I think accountability too, to just making it repeatable. So um, one of the cool softwares that we have is a system called Pendo, which essentially shows us per user, what are they not using that they should be using and what's the frequency they're using it at. Um, so like when something new is implemented, you see adherence maybe for a week, but then people will drop off to old ways. Um, the key is to maintain that process because you can't scale unless you have the most efficient process possible. Um, so I think that's a piece of it too, is just accountability for the user that, you know, they're doing what they should be doing in an efficient way. And I think uh, if giving a recommendation of a good piece of software to document your processes, uh, we use Notion. It's free or like something like $6 a month, depending on which tier you get. Uh, but it's really the way it's organized and you can kind of break it out like a page for clinicians, a page for admin workflows, a page for billing workflows. And you can just kind of document processes very nicely there with like great formatting and make them easy and uh, nice to read and things like that. So we've, we use Notion internally at Prompt and it's been super helpful. Great. So being the lay physical therapist, PT owner here, um, I, I'll share with you how I think about it. Um, and I know Carl is going to roll laughing at this if he hears it. <laughs> but um, the, so uh, what was that? Sam Carpenter wrote a book called this podcast is brought to you by Breakthrough, the leading platform for practice growth. Breakthrough has helped over 1,500 healthcare practice owners leave a bigger impact in their communities and grow a larger business. As the founder of Breakthrough, I've developed a library of educational resources on practice growth. These are based on my learnings from my own experience as a private practice owner, plus the experience working with thousands of other owners in the Breakthrough community. If you have a growth mindset and you're hungry for free resources to help you grow, check out Breakthrough's resource hub. Go to getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources, where you'll find on-demand trainings, tools, templates, planning guides, and a host of other free resources. Again, you can find these at getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. If you're interested in getting direct support with your practice growth, can request a free growth consultation at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. Work the system. Thank you. Work the system. That's right, Mike. So, uh, and in that, it, it, he essentially goes through and says, you know, Michael Gerber Emith is, I want to work on my business, not in it. But when we start creating time to work on the business, most clinicians have no idea where to go. The key from, uh, the book is you start with writing processes. What is in your head? What is something that you do efficiently without even thinking about that you can um, write down and start 
training other people, delegating the rest of your team building up over time. And then he goes through and he says, essentially effective processes build a system or systems. So in one system, you might have seven or 20 different processes, the number's arbitrary, uh, but it, that's key in, in terms of growing your practice. And the other one is once you write down the process, it's not over. The key is to look at data, which I know uh, we alluded to already, but um, the key is, you know, as an executive, as an owner, as a clinical director, as a manager, to go back and look at the data to make sure, to ensure that the processes are being followed and that uh, you're driving productive productivity and success on the back end of that process. So uh, wondering if you can talk about, uh, talk about that, also how your best owners are using data to make more effective business decisions to help them grow. Yeah, so to the first point, I, I think what's also really helpful on top of what you just stated is for the owner to live the role they're creating processes for. Um, so what I see in like really successful owners is they'll spend a day out of every month be just being at the front desk or just being with the biller and seeing their workflows. Um, that adds to the data point of just where's our process at, at now and where are we trying to take it? Um, Adam, any, any light on that? I think I lost. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, understanding your actual employees and, and how they're using the software day to day can give you a lot of ability to create process or you need to rely on the people you put in charge of understanding how your team uses the software day to day. So if you're 10 clinics and 75 therapists and you're not in the practice day to day, then you should be relying on your clinic managers to help create your scalable and repeatable processes. Or if you really trust your office manager to handle everything front desk, then you also need to trust your office manager to kind of create those processes. And then on the data side, um, like using data to run your business is pivotal um, and using the right data, right? If you focus on metric A, but really metric A is a function of metrics B, C, and D, and you're not focusing on those and you're just focusing on the end result. Um, I think that's the kind of the biggest, um, maybe mistake might not be the right word, but um, thing we see in the industry that you need to focus on the things that drive business and that drive patient satisfaction, not the end number of maybe total patient visits, right? Total patient visits is the result of you creating process around things one through five that drive total patient visits. Yeah, Adam, along those lines, uh, the thing that I've heard owners say when I'm sitting and watching them go through how they, and I'll just say, please share your screen, show me how you look at your business. They might, they may be looking at 40 different metrics and they're all the same, they're all equal. Um, where they're trying to get to basically a, a margin where they can keep their doors open. Right. So then we talk about leading and lagging. So in your example, you said like, you know, metric A is what they're looking at. Usually that's a lagging metric like visits. So what are the drivers to that? Well, it's patient reactivation and number of referrals from physicians and calls to the clinic and, you know, clicks on a Google ad or Facebook ad or whatever it is that ultimately result in that, um, that initial visit and plan of care. Is that, am I on the right track there? Yep. And then the one a lot of people don't look at that they should is improper discharges or basically patient drop off after say three visits, right? Because you got to plan, you work so hard to get that new patient, you actually schedule their eval, you get their intake paperwork done, you 
you actually do the eval, which is the least profitable visit. Um, and then you lose them after three visits on a three time a week for eight week plan of care. So that's a $2,400 plan of care and you made $300 and you put all the upfront costs. And so like that improper discharge and figuring out why your patients are dropping off, I think is really critical to actually driving visits and profitability and things like that. And also patient satisfaction. If, if your patient drops off after three visits, they didn't meet their goals. They're not going to become a referral source for you. Um, so. Yeah. We, how we've talked about that, um, and how we look at it personally is uh, we call it graduation rate. So if a therapist in a single month has 20 plans of care start, basically 20 initial evals, um, how many of those 20 are making it to, you know, their, their graduation visit or their discharge visit, whatever we're talking about, and how many of those are regrettable ghosting, <laughs> uh, ghosting plans of care. So yeah, completely uh, in alignment there. And uh, yeah, see that as a problem. Another big problem uh, that we're hearing about that's timely in the marketplace is Medicare cuts and a lot of uh, practices scrambling right now. So can you talk through um, you know, what you're hearing from your users and how uh, you're helping them problem solve through Medicare cuts here coming up in, uh, in, in 2022? Yeah, there's a few things. Um, a big thing is I think hiring has been a huge issue for people recently. I'm um, just keeping their team, hiring new members. Um, so big focus is just how do we get our system to work for us, not against us, and be an, as efficient as possible on that system. That's been a big focus and a driver of business for us. Um, also just adding new service lines and becoming less, I guess, reliant on insurance in a way. Um, a lot of clinics, I think, are at least ones I've been to recently have been adopting telehealth for reactivations, for adding different services. One clinic I was just in, they add nutrition, fitness, and behavioral health all under one suite. And it, it ties, I think, really well just to the patient journey. Um, at least in my case, when I was hurt, my nutrition, I maintained the same calorie intake. I was bummed out that I was hurt because I went from being an athlete to zero. Um, so I, I think about how do we elongate a plan of care as well and not just have the patient leave after 12, 20 visits? How do we keep them in our ecosystem um, for longer? And then also a big thing is just how do we convert, how do we maintain our POC compliance, make sure people stay throughout care? Um, so I just did a, a talk for a group on sales and how do we convey the importance to the patient that you know, they really have to be here three times a week for the next six weeks. Um, so I, I think a big piece of that is just getting your team used to building that sales muscle, not just the therapist, but every single person in the clinic. Yeah, I think the best um, practices we see with like the POC compliance, they train their staff um, to teach the patient why you have to come in three times a week for six weeks, right? Like a lot of times when I was a patient, I didn't want to go to PT three times a week. It was 20 minutes there, an hour in the PT clinic, 20 minutes home, it was painful. So knowing that like, and getting emphasized that just come to PT three times a week for six weeks or two times a week for eight weeks, do your home exercise programs. And the reason why you're doing it is because you'll actually get better. You'll create a sustained recovery. Um, so like being able to sell that and I mean, kind of Mike always says like everyone really works in sales, no matter what your job is. Um, being able to sell that to the patient is a super valuable skill for clinics to teach their, their staff. Excellent. So the, um, 
I know you're given like the umbrella of the reason why. Is there anything else that is key in that um, in, in terms of the clinicians, front desk, et cetera, communicating with the, the patient about wh why sticking to the plan of care is important? Is there anything yeah. else there? So I think one of the things is people attach to the outcome way too much. Um, like, I, I think the key to, to the consumer is give them the data on why it's important, but let them come to the conclusion themselves and kind of guide them there. But also if, if the person's, you know, not a fit for whatever service you're selling, be okay with that, but at least be an educator. Um, I kind of view sales as, or problem solving is, is the problem you have a good fit for our service and then going from there. Um, I think that's important for the front desk as the therapist as the biller, because if a patient comes to you, they want you, they want to trust you and trust leads to, you know, at the end of a buy. Yeah. Cool. Um, the one thing that I, I'll share with you, Mike, that we, we've been using with great success for a while. And it, I kind of uh, dumb locked into it because we had uh, my first partner, uh, Mike Gilbert, was at the University of Pittsburgh um, and UPMC released this uh, three phases of healing. And we have used that time and time again with every patient that comes through, um, you know, now 3,000, 3,600 patients a year um, where we'll go through on the second visit. This is what's going to happen. We walk them through the journey. This is what uh, healing looks like. And uh, here's what you're going to experience as you go through. And just like you said, Adam, it allows the patient to have their own cognition about that this is what's going on in my body and this is how I'm ultimately going to uh, graduate the plan of care. So um, that's key. The other one that we picked up from uh, one of our clinicians and I've shared in Breakthrough a lot it, along those lines is uh, we always, everybody's just uh, trained to ask the patient as they're leaving, when do we see it again? because it like creates a connection, um, almost like the old soap opera, you know, uh, okay, you're done with the, the treatment today. When do we see you next? So it just, you're constantly connecting the dots. And then every once in a while, if somebody fell off because they're on vacation next week or something like that, we can help bridge the gap there and get them scheduled for when they come back from vacation. Are but, you consistently uh, training your team on that, Chad, like on a regular basis? Because that, that's one of the things I see as a problem is like it's maybe visited once in a quarterly meeting, but it's yeah. not consistently addressed. Yeah. So um, it's always painful. The heaviest lifting is always in the beginning, right? So you talked about the highest cost is in the initial eval, right? Because you have your patient acquisition costs, your marketing costs, whatever, you know, driving to that first visit. And that may be, depending on the pathway, 30 to $400 to, to get that first visit in, right? Um, so it, when we first rolled that out, and it was just, uh, I did exactly what you're talking about, where I watched what our best clinicians were doing. And I noticed this one team, it was the therapist, the PTA, and the aide all asked a single patient, when do we see you again? And it, it happened within five minutes. And I was like, wow, they have really high graduation rate. They have the lowest drop-off. And they're all asking this habitually with every single patient. So then I went around to the other teams, especially the lower performing teams. And were they doing that? No, 
So then it's, okay, we train, we inject it, and then we're constantly watching patient visits per new patient, constantly auditing, going back and seeing, okay, you had 22 evals last month, what happened? Well, here's a block of 17 that didn't seem to finish their plan of care. They dropped off you know, in under six visits in, what's going on there, we look at that. And it's something that uh, you know, as a manager, director, owner, we constantly have to breathe life into. Totally relate to that. The, uh, I'm currently in PT now, and I, if I have to cancel, I feel really bad telling my therapist, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it today. Um, constantly reminds me when you come in next, this is our goals for next time. And just, uh, yeah, it's tough to make that call so I don't make it that often. Good, glad you feel guilty. <laughs> That's great. Um, so the, yeah, I know, um, so it, it sounds like, you know, the key thing that we can do with uh, Medicare cuts and the pressure on declining reimbursement, and we'll call it the increased pressures on uh, in employment cost because it's a very competitive marketplace right now, is uh, prevent leakage. Um, and I, I completely agree, and I see that's how a lot of people are remedying. Also, you mentioned uh, the cash pay, adding cash pay services as well, some sort of hybrid of telehealth, live, whatever's working for the practice. Um, you have a lot of traction in the marketplace. Is there any, are there any other differentiators um, that Prompt has to in terms of making that happen? Because there seem to be quite a few. I'm going to touch on just one related to that last point, and then I'll turn it back to Mike. But one other thing to combat Medicare cuts is to actually bill for what you do and bill properly. Um, that is also one of our differentiators. You just put in the treatments you did. We know if the payer uses the CMS or the AMA rule, and we auto-calculate your units in the exactly proper way based on the payer's rules. But so many times we hear therapists who... Um, whether it's because their software makes it difficult or they just feel bad about billing for what they did because they don't want the patient to get a bill or things like that. Um, but one way to combat revenue per visit dropping because of payment cuts per unit is making sure you're billing the right amount of units and the optimal units based on how you document it. So that's one of our main differentiators. And it's also a way to combat those Medicare cuts is to make sure you're actually billing for the services you provide in, in the optimal manner with the right modifiers and things like that. Adam, quick uh, confession. So for the thir first 13 years of my professional career, I was an underbiller, chronic underbiller. Um, the, so you, and you mentioned CMS versus AMA. I'm very aware of what the difference is, but for our, I'm very surprised at how much of our industry does not differentiate at all. They just use Medicare eight minute rule for 100% of patients coming through. Can you talk about uh, the difference there? Yes. Um, I was also, when we first started this, it took me a while to realize the differences. And the difference is actually very simple. Um, AMA, each CPT code is really its own thing in terms of the minutes. So if you do 14 minutes of a CPT code, that's one unit. If you do 23 minutes, two. Uh, there's a couple exception codes. But um, whereas Medicare is looking at the entire total billable minutes to calculate how many units you can bill. So if you do 34 minutes, you can do two. If it's 39, three. Um, and really what we wanted to build in our software was the therapist doesn't want to have to think, oh, is this an AMA or a CMS payer? I need to manually calculate my units differently. So we just automated it. It's all math, right? It can be automated. If we know how many minutes you did each CPT code, we can calculate your units for you. Um, so we took the thought out of it. Now the therapist can just document, here's what I did for how long. 
we we take care of the rest. Um, so I think that's also important to find a software and there's others out there, but to make sure you find one that can just do the math for you because you shouldn't have to do that math while you're trying to treat your next patient. Make sure you ask your current patient, when do we see you again? That just lets you focus on some of that stuff instead of having to do math. Yeah, I think a, a big differentiator for us is just proactive practice management. Um, we found just being in clinics, a lot of practice management is reactionary, whether it be filling therapist capacity, tracking authorizations, making sure billings happening in a seamless way. It was a lot of, oh God, this isn't working. Um, so we have a ton of tools to make sure that you're ahead of it. Um, my favorite in particular is the plan of care compliance tool. Essentially what it does is it matches the plan of care against what actually transpired in the schedule. And if there's a mismatch there, they're at a concise report for the team to work. Um, I think another big piece um, from a software standpoint, especially patient facing, is driving the action you want to take place in a seamless way. So if a patient's lost and they're, you know, they haven't been scheduled in two weeks, making it easy for them to get back in the schedule, not just call the clinic, text the clinic, fill in this form, but actually driving it so they can make their way into the schedule without interacting with anyone on your team. Um, just the way we look at technology is how do we remove someone from a process? And that's a prime example. Awesome. The, um, I, I know we were talking about data earlier. Um, can you, and the, the obvious one that comes to mind is, and we talked about ideal clients. So it's outpatient PTOT speech. Um, do I need in-house billing? Can I work with a biller and still use prompt? Can you talk about that? Uh, yeah, so you can use a third-party biller or do in-house. It doesn't matter to us. We're biller agnostic. And that's actually one of the best uh, things about prompt for companies that use third-party billers is a lot of systems, your biller, your third-party billing company is using a different software than your EMR. So as the owner, I'm logging into my EMR every day, but if I'm not actively doing my billing, I'm probably not logging into my billing software every day. So in prompt, what's nice is all your data is in one place. So it's really easy to monitor and manage your third-party billers and have better conversations with them about here's where everything stands, here's where we're making money, here are the problems. And it makes it really easy for that third-party billing company who's not in the office with your staff to just tag a therapist and say, hey, we did this wrong, can we fix this? Or tag a front desk, this patient's missing their insurance details. So that creates a really nice two-way communication. It kind of brings that third-party company into your practice day-to-day because -day you're on the same software as them and you can communicate with them in real time. Great. Anything else to add in there, like on the data or communication? Yeah, for um, actually what's been cool is seeing how many people have been able to take billing in-house through Prompt. Um, one of the things that we view billing should really be working on is denials, paid partials, AR. Everything else is fluff. Um, so Adam and I spent two years working in a billing office and found that most billing teams are working 60 to 75% of the time on things that actually don't need attention. They're either paid full, there's no patient PR. So just moving that out of the way and just focus on problems. But um, yeah, we work with a ton of billing companies, a ton of people doing in-house, probably like a 50-50 split across their user base. Great. The, um, so I, I want to explore that concept uh, that was a partnership that you have, because I think um, it's, it's a term that I'm hearing more 
And uh, especially as we talk with larger and larger practices, that's really how they view any other vendor, any other company that they're working with. Um, and I read about it quite a bit in that the team rehabilitation uh, press release. So can you talk about your view, uh, your, the, the prompt culture and how you think about partnership partnering with uh, private practice owners? Yeah, I think collaboration is a big part of it. Um, from a software standpoint, the system will never be done. And talking to people that are using it day in, day out and listening, but also implementing that feedback, I think is key. Um, I think also just us, we, we talk to, similar to you, a ton of practice owners and pick up on processes that are working, help give that knowledge to the practice so they can use that and develop a better process. Um, also just having an open line of communication. Give, we give everyone our cell phones, um, which has, I guess, led to some problems as we've grown. But um, it's, I think it's important when you know, someone runs your entire business that they have access to you. Um, so for us, it's just constantly talking to our users and then based on those conversations, developing the best product we, we can. And I think that kind of all comes to fruition in our releases. Every release we send, send out, you know, probably 50, maybe even up to 70% of the features are directly based off a form that any customer can fill out and suggest a feature. Uh, and every release we're sending 30, 40, 50 emails to these people, letting them know we actually released a feature that, that they specifically suggested. Um, since we're not therapists and we don't own practices, we really double down on the fact that our users will tell us what they need. It's our, our UX team's job to figure out what's the best way to give them what they need, but they're going to tell us what, what's their pain points and what are, what are the things they could use to become more efficient. And then we take those and really take them to heart and make sure we're constantly incorporating user feedback into our product uh, life cycle. Love it. Um, the, Ad, Adam and uh, Mike, do you have uh, two separate phones? No, the same, but I, I should start thinking about getting a second. <laughs> so here, here's, uh, here's how this ends poorly for you. <laughs> Cause I did the same thing in the very beginning um, and the communication uh, got to be overwhelming. And I was coaching a little league team, eight, eight year olds. And uh, I literally was getting a repetitive number calling me over and like three or four times in a row. Um, and, and it was something that I wasn't really responsible for in the partnership, but it was an owner that was having financial uh, an urgency. Right. And we were helping with marketing. So, um, Anyhow, my wife saw that I was like bothered by this and like looking at my phone and she said, what are you doing there? And I said, and I said, this is an owner and this is what they're going through. And she said, no. <laughs> so, so that was the end of the, me going to my cell phone um, all the time. So you can get a second cell or just turn off all your notifications. Uh, but yes, that my cell phone is out there. You will one day uh, come up with some buffer as well. But uh, in the meantime, to everybody listening, take advantage of this as much as possible <laughs> because you have uh, Mike and Adam's ear, which is great. Um, another question that came in, um, and then I'll ask you about other trends you're seeing in the marketplace, but uh, are, are you fully integrated with Weave or any other softwares uh, that, that a lot of practices are using right now? 
We have a bunch of integrations. Uh, it's kind of one of our core competencies is being able to integrate quickly with other vendors and effectively. Um, right now, we're not fully integrated with Weave yet. We have like a partnership with them and work with them and are working on an integration. Uh, but we have a fully integrated credit card processing, faxing. Um, we actually, it's a native built home exercise program, but we're also about to launch another home exercise program integration. Uh, we're integrated with photo for MIPS and outcomes tracking. Um, missing some, oh, better healthcare for online scheduling and to convert, you know, all those people you're driving to your website and give them an easy way to actually book the eval. Um, and then just a few backend integrations to facilitate like all the text messages and the emails and things like that. So we do a lot of integrations and uh, we can do them pretty efficiently and pretty quickly and do them in a way where it's bi-directional. I think that's the key for any software that's telling you they're integrated with with other vendors, is it a bi-directional feed or is data only going from one platform to the other? Um, when it's a one-directional integration, you usually don't gain very much efficiency because you're still having to do something in another software that doesn't feed back to your main system. Um, all of our integrations are bi-directional so that we can send data and receive data. Adam, can you say that in a very lay? Yeah. I, um, I understand what you mean, but uh, yeah, if you can just, dumb it down for the caveman practice owners. Yeah, so like uh, a single directional integration would be we send photo patient data when a new patient gets created and that's it. Um, at that point, you would have to go to photo, you do all your stuff in photo, but none of that's feeding back to front. A bi-directional integration, we send everything to photo, the patient gets created in photo. When the patient does their photo intake, that feeds back to prompt. So now it's truly when you discharge that patient in prompt, it sends to photo and then photo. So it's, it's real time. It's interactive. Things are going both ways and you really can use the functionality from either place and know that it's going to feed back in both ways. Great. Thank you for doing that. And by the oh. way, I'm, I'm the caveman. So just to clarify <laughs> for all the listeners, um, what, what trends are you seeing in the, in private practice right now. I know we talked about Medicare cuts and declining reimbursements earlier, increased pressure on efficiency. And I think what you're doing with software is great because uh, you know, for years, I'm mean, at least, especially the last 10 years, there was a lot of pressure on the smaller mom and pop practice because they don't have economies of scale and HR compliance, legal um, billing, all those other costs where you know, it, it would be significantly more beneficial if they were a 10 million revenue company or 20 million revenue company, um, they, they would enjoy uh, more cost efficiencies than if they're a million dollar company. Um, are there any other trends that you see going forward um, for the survival of the, the mom and pop practice owner or the, that aspiring enterprise practice owner? I think one would be delivering like an exceptional patient experience has really kind of moved to the forefront even since mike and i started in pt like in 2017 there's so many choices for a patient right not just even within pt they can go to Cairo, they can go to acu massage therapy now hydro like you have to deliver a world-class patient experience to keep them in your practice it's not just enough to delivering good care is obviously important, but it also has to be pleasant from the moment they walk in to the moment they leave and the communication you send them via email and text and all this stuff. So I think it's really, really important to 
deliver a world-class patient experience. And I think there's been an increasing focus on that um, in the past couple of years. And just scaling your time. Like I, I, a big piece, especially what I've been seeing new technology, we're just a PPS, is how do we scale chat? How do we scale therapists in the clinic? You only have so much time. So just leveraging technology that can help communicate almost on your behalf, I think is going to become crucial. It already is. Excellent. Um, Adam Baliatico, Michael Dwyer, Prompt EMR, thank you very much uh, both for being here. What is the best way for our listeners uh, to learn more about you, learn more about Prompt um, and, and find you in the metaverse? Yep, they could go to prompt, P-R-O-M-P-T-E-M-R.com. Uh, they could find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And then Mike, do you have an email they could email? Yeah, just Mike at Prompt DMR. And um, I'm always good with people calling me. Um, so if you want to call me, it's 201-926-4278. You sure you want me to leave that in? Uh, it's That's okay. great. Okay, great. So Mike at uh, PromptEMR.com. That's a pretty classic founder's co-founder's email. Very good. Um, and you also now have Mike's cell phone number. So uh, please abuse that as, as much as possible during daytime hours. Um, thank you both again, Adam and Mike, for being here. Uh, this was great. Thank you, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, Make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.